0: A game that this is something that I've been doing a while uh, with the podcast, but something that I've kind of fallen behind on, and I'm I'm uh, I'm picking back up. Uh, is this thing where I will play games that you ask me to play, uh, particularly if you're at a certain level on the Patreon. Um, I believe it's twenty dollars a month. It might be forty. I, I can't remember. You can go check. The, it's all up on there. But um, a good friend and uh and, and good tweeter uh, at. Jean Luc Picard, that's P E A K H A R D, um, asked me to play uh, Shin Megami Tensei 4, and I've done it. I've played Shin Megami Tensei 4. It was a game I wanted to play anyway. Um, You know, uh, longtime listeners will remember that I um, streamed Shin Megami Tensei 3, Nocturne, uh, with uh, with Andrew, and. yeah, this was my first uh, foray into one of the DS games. There's many of these games. So the first two, uh, bunch of games uh, came out on sort of the Famicom and Super Famicom. So you're talking the NES and the Super NES. Uh, and then after that, you got the PlayStation 2 version, the PlayStation 2 games, uh, one mainline game and a couple others. And then um, a lot of DS and 3DS games. So this one's on the 3DS. Um it's great. It's really good. You should definitely play it. Um, if you have a If you have a three DS, it's actually a pretty easy game to get. Uh, you can go in the, the online store and pay twenty bucks, and it's like seventy hours long. You're not gonna You're not gonna regret it uh, if you like RPGs. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean it's a great game. It's it's cool. Um, you know, just off the top, I would say go Go ahead and play it. Um, What's interesting about the Tensei, um, and if you want to know more about the, like, the overarching series, I would definitely recommend going to watch, um, D'Alessina's, uh, Let's Plays, uh, she's playing through all of them, uh, which is, <laughs> like, a wild plan, uh, but I like it a lot, um, in any case, Shin Megami Tensei 4, obviously this will have a lot of spoilers, but, you know, it's okay, um, you can not listen if you want, but I'll try and keep them, you know, fairly tame, um, the outline of the game, the basic game itself, is that you start as, um, and this is actually different than any of the other Shin Megami Tensei games, where you start sort of as a person in modern-day Tokyo. In this, you start as sort of a samurai. Uh, well, not quite a samurai. The opening sort of thing is you become a samurai. You're chosen to become a samurai. Uh, in this pre-lapsarian sort of idyllic world called the, called the Kingdom of East Mikado, or the East, hmm, Eastern Eastern Kingdom of Mikado, um, you are here and it's sort of like it's weird because like yes there are demons but only the samurai know there are demons demons are a uh, a standard part of any shin megami tensei game and the spin-offs games the persona games obviously if you've played those you know there's also demons or persona in those games as well um but really by and large it just seems like sort of an agricultural land with sort of a religious um kind of church slash noble um framework around feudalism And, uh, yeah, I mean, there are sort of nobles and serf class, and that's, you know, not ideal uh, or anything, but everyone seems to be fairly happy, and it seems to be sort of, like, bucolic and nice, which is weird. Um, However, there's this dungeon uh, where all the demons come from uh, called Naruku, Um, and if you follow the dungeon down as you are asked to do early on in the game, you've come to the end of it and you realize there's this terrible place underneath the eastern kingdom of Mikado. Uh, that you're, you know, you're forbidden to go to, but you have to go to for some sort of, for some reason in the game, I don't won't explain the whole plot line, but you're, you're following someone called the black samurai. And, um, you find out that this place underground, this sort of like forbidden area is Tokyo. So essentially the game is just like all the other games, except in this version of Shin Megami Tensei, they're all sort of like their own individual iterations. Um, I think of it more like an anthology than sequels. Um. Although this game has a sequel, *Shimigami Tensei 4: Apocalypse*, uh, which is kind of unique, in any case, um, you find out that Tokyo is this underground place. There's a big gold ceiling over uh, Tokyo. We find out because uh, nukes were launched to, to, I guess, to kill the demons, and uh, the, the the ceiling was put up by the guardian demon of uh, Tokyo Masakato. Um. So, yeah, I mean, basically, like, you know, the the, the whole setup is this, this clash between worlds, um, you trying to figure out your way through Tokyo. Um, but, you know, the mechanics of the game itself are very similar to the other games. Uh, you recruit monsters or demons to be in your party. You have, um, you know, magical powers and, uh, you know, you can use a gun, which you can do in all uh, all the games except three Um yeah, I mean, and it's a turn-based RPG. Um, you uh, you do have more robust sort of party members, at least in terms of characterization. Uh, your three friends, Walter, Jonathan, and um, uh, Isabeau, uh, are uh, much more, much more uh, um, fleshed out uh, and interesting. Um I would, I would say more so than in Nocturne. Nocturne is weird because you meet your friends at the beginning and then they kind of all disappear once the world ends. You are your own party. And when you meet them later, they've become like these weird uh, 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 I don't know, like extreme versions of very bad philosophies like Randianism or something like that. Um, you know, there's like a chaos. Well, Nocturne is both far more complex in its philosophy and far less interesting in its characterization. Um, but That's just my opinion. Uh, It's also a good game. You should go play it. They're doing a remaster now, so why not? Um, In any case, uh, I really like the party members in this, and uh, they help you get the either uh, chaotic Walter, lawful Jonathan, or neutral Isabeau endings. Uh, Or, interestingly enough for this game, you can choose the nihilist ending, which is (laughs) kind of in the middle, uh, and you you choose to press this button that um, destroys the entire world, uh, everything in it, um, and leaves it uh, as dust uh with, with no living life in it at all. Including you. You die as well. Um, as does your sort of robotic companion Burroughs. Um, but, you know, all this said is is, you know, you're not coming here to get my take on what the game is about, um or whether or not to get it. You're coming here to hear me talk about like what it means. Uh and I think this game in particular has a lot to say about um, apocalypse and the end of the world, uh, particularly fears about the end of the world, right? Because um, the, the idea that the Eastern Kingdom of Mikado was born after uh, nuclear war, um, you know, nuclear weapons fell and attempted to destroy Tokyo. Um, there's a nuclear apocalypse going on here. There's a religious apocalypse going on here. There's a lot going on. And Shin Megami Tensei has always mixed these things, right? There's been uh, nuclear concerns and uh, sort of like a, a strange kind of approach to religion, um, which has meant that these games are not ultra um, popular or often released in America. One and two, uh, Shin Megami Tensei one and two are really only available via emulator. Um, uh, for a while, they were iOS games as well, but I don't think so anymore. I think um, uh, Atlas, uh the always embattled and often regrettable atlas who uh, makes these games um or pr- publishes these games uh d- d- took them off the store um so smt like has these sort of like very extreme uh, approaches to to all sorts of things that americans are you know generally not okay taking extreme approaches to but while that's probably the reason they're not ultra popular in america and or ultra um uh advertised in america a lot of people i've heard uh claim that it was like no sorry i've heard a lot of people claim let me say that uh better to have sentences that make sense uh i've heard a lot of people claim that uh japanese sentiments are sort of like that the games are too japanese uh is a reason why they struggle to get a foothold in america but i think this is really orientalizing um i don't think that this game is particularly japanese you know there's that it takes place in Japan. Um, Tokyo plays a big role. You have to, like, you know, find your way around Tokyo. You go to real areas in Tokyo, like Shinjuku or Shibuya or Ikebukuro. Um, but location here is only important insofar as you grow used to a strange space, right? You're kind of, like, figuring out ways to get around the city. It's all about traversing and finding different ways to get to different places. Um, you don't really need to know anything about Tokyo before. Like, in fact, the world prior to the end of the world is really vague like very very vague um like a lot of these games the world that existed before the world ended is just kind of like a suggestive sort of thing there's always demons like when you start the game uh proper they're just there um and so like at that point the world is disrupted and over furthermore The choices and interactions throughout aren't like weird or hard to manage. It's not like you can't figure out how to play this game if you're American. It's fairly clear, at least, which choices are chaotic and lawful. If you want the neutral route, the Isabeau route, it can get a little tricky, but that's just because it's a video game, right? Like it gives you a million choices and you have to somehow figure out how to, you know, fall in the middle. If you want the chaotic or uh, lawful paths, pretty easy to figure out what those are um there's kind of a fable uh, element going on here where uh the good thing to do is uh save everyone the bad thing to do is kill everyone um although actually it kind of messes with this a little bit it's much more chaotic and lawful as opposed to uh you know pure bad or pure good right um and you know the, the thing that's most un-american about this game i would say outside you know It's not that it's very Japanese. It might just be that it's not super American. Like, I think the apocalyptic lessons in the game aren't super American. And, uh, you know, obviously this is only if we take American post-apocalyptic fiction as representative of American feelings on apocalypse. I think that's fair, but I could see why you disagree. Um, But, like, SMT is not American post-apocalyptic fiction. Uh, Any choice you make in the game is ultimately unfulfilling. In, In a lot of American apocalyptic fiction... There's some sort of win at the end. Take take um, uh, Cormac McCarthy's *The Road*. Right, ultimately a book that I feel is like completely undone by its ending, uh, which totally is hopeful. Right, I don't spoilers for *The Road* in the next you know 30 seconds, but the end of *The Road*, uh, the 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 kid, the boy, um, his father, who he's been traveling the United States with, dies. But the boy finds another family, right? Uh, his his son, who he you know loves, and the whole book is about this father-son relationship and the end of the world, he finds a family and it's like, you get some hints that, oh, maybe the world's getting better, and oh yeah, it's gonna be so nice, now he's gonna have a nice life. Like This happens a lot in American post-apocalyptic fiction. You get to the end of the whole thing and you're given a way out. You're given a positive way out. In this, even the neutral path, which is the good path, uh, you know, the path the game really wants you to take, Uh, Masakado, that uh, demon protector of Tokyo who was the ceiling and now has been sort of, like, taken away from the ceiling, you know, the the eastern kingdom of Mikado and Tokyo are one and the same now, Um, he stops and tells your party at the end, he goes, hey, you know, you're probably going to have to deal with this again in maybe, like, 20 or 30 years, because... Yeah, people can change in the moment, but they don't really learn lessons for long. So, you know, you're stuck with this choice to, you know, maintain the status quo, which would be lawful. You know, you, you, you uphold the caste system and you, you know, you, you strike down anyone who would uh, approach the the saintly people of the Eastern Kingdom of Mikado and cut off Tokyo. Um, or you go chaotic and, and release demons all across the world and then only the strong survive. Um, or... You just kind of make everyone become friends and know in the end that you are going to have to do this again very soon because you didn't actually solve anything. So, you know, either you hurt pe- certain people, uh, hurt everyone in the world, or make a choice that, you know, you just kind of accept that people are going to hurt themselves later on. This is not individualistic. It's not like triumphalist. It's, it's, it's ultimately like, you know, a little depressing. Like a lot of these games are, you know, your best avenue is still a little unfulfilling on purpose. This isn't a critique. It's like literally what the game's about. And so ultimately, I think like the games like SMT, particularly the SMT games, and there are a lot of them, but, you know, I've made, played most of the mainline ones all the way through. Um, they present this vision of apocalypse, right? That's more realistic than the more triumphalist stories of something like Fallout, if we're thinking about video games. Uh, you know, Fallout, you can stock up and conquer the apocalypse. You can get, like, good armor. You can build a, a, a stronghold. You can go through and find, like, your family or your dog or whatever, right? Like, the, even the first Fallout, where you're sort of, like, given this mission by your um, by your uh, people in the vault, uh, you know, you can go out and find the water purifier in Fallout. You can go out and, you know, solve problems in towns. You You, as an individual, have this sort of, um, agency to fix things in the world in smt there's no stocking up and conquering the apocalypse you can totally like win the game and become super powerful and like untouchable by the other demons it's like completely possible um even though like if you kind of mess up the game is still punishingly difficult like it's very hard and uh you can lose battles very easily to much worse enemies um but like You know, you can do all that. You can get all the demons in the game. I did. I got really into getting all of them, and I did. Um, But ultimately, that just means you beat the game. Like, the game literally tells you at the end, like, all right, well, good job and all. Um, Definitely not the end of this story, though. So, you know, don't, don't feel like you can get any closure. There's also not a clear sense, and I said this before, of the world before the apocalypse in any of the games. In all of the Fallout games, it starts off with telling you what the world was like before the bombs dropped, right? As a sense of, like, what we could get back to. SMT, it's not right. Like you get these in Nocturne, you get the world before the apocalypse, but it's literally like three minutes and then you lose your entire humanity. You become the, the Demi fiend and have to sort of like live this half life as a kind of demon kind of human. Um, the idea of going back is not even remotely an option. And finally, you're left in a world you can totally unpack and decode. You can find demons. You can find out how to talk to them. You can you have a compendium. You have you can like pick which party members you want. Right. You can find Mara, um, but it's one that even at max level you don't have any control over outside of being able to at certain moments, given certain conditions and certain choices you can make, destroy it. But you also then end up destroying yourself at the same time. Often the nihilist ending is this way, but even the order and chaos endings are sort of, you end up like giving yourself over to these impulses that end up just like completely destroying your general mission and framework of what you're doing in the world. You can never actually do it. You can never actually be the good guy in this game, the guy who, like, solves all the problems, right? You can only do so much. Even when you make the good choice to let everyone kind of live their lives, you can only do so much. And so you don't need the personal nukes of Fallout 76 to get to the observation that Shimagami Tensei's vision of apocalypse is far less optimistic and individualistic than a lot of American uh, post-apocalyptic fiction, and video games, for that matter. But... It does actually provide a way, SMT does, that is, provide a way of thinking about community after the end of the world, such that you can imagine what the world might be like after the fall, right? So there's not a clear sense of like what the world's like before, but there is a sense of what it is like after and how it might work after. And particularly Shin Megami Tensei 4 in the neutral ending, you get this sort of like group of people playing together, like living together and, and playing together, I suppose, but living together specifically from the Eastern kingdom of Mikado and Tokyo, learning from each other, trying to figure out how to coexist in the world. And even though Masakato tells you like, hey, look, like this isn't going to last forever. It still gives you a sense of what things might be like after the apocalypse, if it became normal right the people who live what are they living like what after the, the the fall of order what does it look like and smt kind of actually gives you that as opposed to something like fallout where clearly you are in even in even in the best written fallouts right like even in new vegas you're in either a um well not either you're in a transitory sort of like uh, 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 um, uh, it's like a middle, right? Like it's 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 this sort of uh, sense of not quite being in one stage or the other. You're in a state of becoming. This society is anyway. Um, whereas in at the end of SMT four, if you take the neutral path, or if you take the chaotic or lawful or nihilist paths, that's the become. You are done. You're like you're you're not liminal anymore. You're at the end. You're at the end of one thing at the beginning of another thing. And this idea of being able to imagine what the world's like after apocalypse ends up actually being a primary desire of Marxist theory, particularly Marxist literary theory, as Fred Jameson, sort of that paragon of Marxist literary theory, popularized this question, this uh, statement that he cites from some book, but doesn't actually give the book's name. So maybe he just made it up of, you know, it's harder to envision the world after capitalism than it is to envision the world after apocalypse. And I'd actually say it's kind of hard to imagine the world after both of those things, right? Specifically in terms of sociality. But what's curious about Shin Megami Tensei is that in giving you this uh, very, very spread out sense of society, very, very spread out sense of of people and their ambitions and the difficulty in getting them on even some sort of a same page, you know, that being the labor of, especially the end game in this, um, gives a sense of what it might look like once everyone sort of like kind of decides to move forward and live life, not in the shadow of apocalypse, but having accepted it and moving on. And so, like, you know, it's wild, kind of, from an American perspective, to see a game where, you know, you have an understanding of the world as a space where your individual actions, even when you're put in a position of total power, are still caught up and, like, deeply enmeshed with everyone else's actions, lives, and futures. And, like, uh, just to end with, like, the one sort of example of this that is most profound, I think, is you run into this suicidal woman in Ikebukuro, um who asks you basically says like, you know, I've been a pretty bad person in my life. I've, I've, I've led people on, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've used them, I've, uh, taken from them and I've decided that like, you know, I, uh, I don't like, I don't deserve to live or something like that. Right. And you get to tell her like, Hey, no, it's okay. Or yeah, you probably should, you know, commit suicide. And depending on those two choices, You get this massive boost to your uh, either your lawful or chaotic uh, um, uh, side. You know, you either get like way closer to chaotic or way closer to lawful. It's this weird sort of pivot in the game that you wouldn't think is a huge pivot in the game, but it is. The interesting thing about this though is she disappears both times and you're told she probably killed herself, right? The actual action she takes has not anything to do at all with you. You say something. You impact your own sort of understanding of how the world works, your own brain, uh, the, the way you kind of like approach the world. But your choice doesn't change anything. The only choice you can make is to allow the space for society to grow again. And in doing that, Shimigami Tensei provides this, or Sumagami Tensei Four provides this really interesting way of understanding the social after the end of society. In any case, uh, that's my first of these. I'm going to be doing more of them. And um, I hope you enjoyed. And I will uh, hopefully catch up with you soon. The next game I'm doing is The World Ends With You, another uh, Tokyo game, but quite a bit different. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this one. Go follow Jean-Paul Sartre. Uh, <laughs> not Jean-Paul Sartre. You can follow him, too. But go follow Jean-Luc Picard on Twitter. Thanks again to to him. a Good friend. Good, good poster. And... Um, yeah, go check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash no cartridge. First, uh, Mark's episode may be out or is coming out by the time this posts. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, talk to y'all soon.